0: Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. 1 Peter 1 22. One of my professors shared with us one day um, about his father in law uh, who had gotten sick with cancer and he, he was basically slowly wasting away. And he said he'd gone to see him and he, was, he had to lift him up to help him and he could actually feel his ribs. Uh, as he was lifting him up And, and uh, he said it was just moving to him Because he, he saw Despite what he was going through He saw him with a smile on his face And with the joy of the Lord in his heart And he said I, I couldn't explain that In any other way than, than That he knew the Lord And had his joy He was walking with him He was walking in his power And, uh, you know, I believe God wants us to be set apart. It's not that Christians can't show grief or Christians can't struggle, but God wants us to be set apart. That is, that we're different from the world. We face problems differently. We face uh, all of life uh, in a distinct way. Why? Because we have been touched by God's power. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us, and he has made a difference in our lives. Uh, God said in one place, be holy for I am holy. Uh, and so we need to be that ho- holy people of God so that we can not only through our actions and our behavior, but also through uh, through our witness can make known uh, what God is like uh, to other people who desperately need to know him. Uh, and also we need to be holy because being holy will make a difference in our life. It will will cause us to walk in his joy. It will cause us to to draw close to him and be empowered by him in in a a higher level in our lives. So important. And Peter is writing to a group of people that are suffering. Uh, Suffering persecution, suffering difficulty at the hands of others. And as he he talks to them about some of the great truths of the faith in chapter 1, first part of chapter 1. But now he's gotten to the place where he says, in light of these great truths that you've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus and in light of what God has done for you and giving you a living hope, this is how you need to respond in your daily life so that you can reveal the character of God, the holiness of God to a lost and dying world. And so that's where we pick it up. And uh, I believe each of us needs to pursue a holy life to the power of God. Of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is "Living a Holy Life." Look with me at verse twenty-two. By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Living a holy life. What should we do to live a holy life? Several things are mentioned here in this verse. The first thing I want you to see is we need to obey God's word. Obey God's word. By obedience to the truth. Now the scripture's context tells us that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way to be obedient to God in the way that God desires but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, You and I can't just work up the Christian life. We can't just work up obedience. Why? Because the Bible says man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so in order to live the life of obedience that God desires, it has to come from the inside out. Now, we also take steps of outward obedience. That is part of obedience. Uh, God called Abraham, go to a country I will show you. And the Bible says he showed his faith by doing what? And so Abraham went. And so he obeyed God. And obedience to God is the way that you develop a pure heart. Obedience to God and the power of the Holy Spirit is the way that you develop purity in your life. Uh, And it's the way you develop love in your life. We're going to talk about those in a second. But obedience is so crucial. You say, well, Pastor, we're not saved by works we're saved by faith we're not earning our salvation it's given to us as a gift yes that's true one of the great scriptures is Ephesians 2 uh, verses 8 and 9 uh, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast but does anybody know the next verse Next verse says, but we were saved because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so why does God save us? He doesn't save us because of our good works. He saves us because the godly, perfect life of Christ lived on our behalf and his substitutionary death on the cross. But God saves us for the purpose of good works. Did you know God fashioned you in your mother's womb for his purpose? And that not only did he fashion you physically, and not only did he fashion your personality, but God, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, made you a new creation in Christ. And he fashioned you yet again spiritually for his purpose. That's what he means by we are his workmanship. Literally, the word means the result of what he has done. Uh, you and I have been made for God's purpose. Isn't that an amazing thought? Amen. That's why obedience is so important. Because if God's purpose is to be carried out through His church that means we've got to obey God and what He tells us to do. Well, what are we to obey? Well, first of all, the Word of God. The Scripture. The Scripture tells us How to live a life that honors God. How to live a life of morality, but also how to live a life of obedience and sharing our faith and how to to serve the church and the body of Christ and try to build each other up uh, in the work that we're doing. Uh, But we also obey God through the promptings of his Holy Spirit, who's come to live in us. And so he may lay upon your heart to do something for someone else, maybe to take them a meal or to pray for them or, or to share a word of encouragement, and you say yes, and you're obedient to, to share as he leads you to share. You become an instrument of God. Uh, Paul said in one place, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power is of God and not of us. And so uh, we're the vessel. And God is the power within that vessel. And so as we allow Him, through our obedience, to live through us, we become a light in a ministry to other people. Have you ever known somebody who just was so in love with Jesus that when you spent time with Him, you were encouraged spiritually? Um, Have you ever known somebody who who seemed to be able to say the right thing to lift you up? Uh, Have you ever known somebody who... um, through their life, was a ministry and a help to you in your spiritual life, chances are those people were listening to God and being obedient to Him. Obedience is so important. It's the vehicle through which God ministers to His church. It's the vehicle through which we reach the people in our community. Obedience. Obedience also uh, is the way that we walk in close fellowship with God. One scripture says that you're quenching off the Spirit of God. How do you quench the Spirit of God? Well, just like you, you uh, pour water on a fire, you can quench the Spirit's power uh, in, in, in His working and activity in your life by sinning. So uh, you confess that sin to God so that uh, your fellowship can be restored and you ask the Spirit of God to fill you and you live. let Him live through you So that you can walk in close fellowship with God. But when you live in sin and you live in disobedience, you end up quenching the Spirit of God. What areas do we need to obey God? We need to obey God in what we think. You say, I didn't knew I had a choice in how I think. Well, yes, you do. I'm happy to tell you that today on the authority of God's Word. Paul says, I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. So you can choose to turn from that w- wrong way of thinking and to choose a right way of thinking, right? Um, there's w- one time a little girl was told by her dad to sit down. and She didn't want to sit down, and she resisted. So finally she sat down, and she crossed her arms like this, and she said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. You know, a lot of times we're like that, right? In, in our hearts, we're not surrendered to God. But God wants us to be surrendered to Him in our thinking. That's actually an act of worship to God, to surrender to Him. What did Jesus say? I do nothing but what my Father tells me to do. Uh, Jesus was God Himself. He, he was God the Son. And yet He says, I do nothing but what my Father tells me to do. The words that I speak are from my Father. Every aspect of Jesus' life was lived in obedience to the Father. No other man in history has had the kind of effect and influence that Jesus Christ has had. And he did so through obedience to the Father. That's how important it is. So uh, you can replace those thoughts that you have with other thoughts. It could be a scripture that you quote. It could be uh, something else that you uh, maybe read or, or do. Uh, but you you take those thoughts captive. Uh, you need to be obedient in your speech. Have you ever said something, and as you were having a discussion, maybe you had been close to God, walking with the Lord, and maybe, maybe you just had some devotions or something, and you begin to have this discussion, and all of a sudden it just feels like wet water is being put on your spiritual life as you have this discussion. And you begin to feel not quite right in your soul, and maybe you're having a gossip session. Or maybe you're running somebody else down. Or maybe you have a bad attitude. And and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God that was living in you in freedom is being quenched through your words. So obedience is so important in your word. Sometimes we think of obedience in just not doing the things that God tells us not to do. But obedience is also doing the things God tells us to do. And so we need to be obedient in both of those areas. So if you're sinning, stop, right? Or if God told you to minister, minister. But be obedient in all these areas of your life. You say, well, how in the world can I do all that? How can I, I can't even keep track of all that? Well, probably we all sin in ways we don't even realize sometimes. But here's the good news. The Bible says that we can walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. So that flesh, that old nature, we will not fulfill it if we're walking with Him. So uh, surrender your heart to God each morning when you come to Him in your quiet time. Ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and ask Him to give you a heart of surrender. And then live out that surrender and obedience to His Word, what He shows you in your quiet time, uh, and in through His Spirit as He guides you throughout your day. Obedience is so important. Obey God's Word. There's no holiness without obedience. So obey. Uh, So living a holy life, what should we do? First of all, obey God's Word. Secondly, pursue God's purity. Pursue God's purity. By obedience to the truth, verse 22 says, having purified yourself... From a pure heart, he says at the latter part of the verse. But having purified yourself, how do you purify yourself? Well, the word in Greek is interesting. It's in the perfect tense. It means you were purified and you continue to be purified. It's kind of the idea. Well, they were purified when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Uh, We are positionally purified in Jesus Christ, but then... Not only that, God begins a process of purifying us. He says earlier in chapter 1, you're kept by the power of God through faith. God keeps us, and he works in our lives, and he helps us grow in purity. But then we also have a role in that as well. So you can think of it as pursuing purity in your life. And one of the ways you pursue purity in your life is through obedience. But uh, purity... Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you want to have a close walk with God? Purity is part of it. And then, of course, we'll one day see him when we see Jesus face to face. How do you develop a pure heart? Well, have you ever heard garbage in, garbage out? When you fill your mind with every kind of filthy garbage guess what's going to be in your thinking? Filthiness. If you fill your mind with all kinds of negative thoughts, guess what's going to be in your mind? Negativity. Uh, You know, what we input into our lives is so important. And guess what? The world is not inputting the right things into our minds. So what do we have to do? We have to take action to put the right things in our minds. Right? What uh, What does Romans say? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do I renew my mind? Well, I renew my mind through God's Word. How can a young man keep his way pure, Psalms 119 says? By taking heed thereto according to your Word. So he says obedience is part of it, but also being in the Word of God. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be inputting God's mindset, God's way of thinking. You need to be transformed rather than conformed. Isn't it amazing how so many people in churches across our country think just like the world? They make their decisions just like the world. They dress just like the world. They act just like people act in the world. They say the same things people say in the world. Uh... Their lifestyle, aside from the fact that they come to church on Sunday morning or maybe other times in the week, the the only thing that would distinguish them uh, from somebody in the world is that they come to church. That should not be the case in a Christian's life. God wants us to be pure in heart. And the only way that you can do that is through God's word and through the power of God's spirit. Taking your thoughts captive is such an important idea. Um, did you know the enemy? I, I believe that not every thought that you have comes from God. Did you know that? You can have a thought. Some of you are still thinking about what your parents said years ago or what some friend said to you that hurt you years ago. You need to forgive them for that. But but some, we, we remember things that other people say, don't we? Sometimes the enemy can put a thought in your mind. Uh, when, when you begin to think something you would normally think, guess what, could be the enemy. Or it may be something you normally think because the devil has a stronghold in your life. When the Word of God begins to convict you of something that you're thinking and something some impure thing in your life, uh, you need to confess that as sin and you need to ask God to cleanse you. I love, uh, I love what uh, David did in Psalm 51. You remember, he'd kind of gone off the rails in his life. He would, he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and then uh, indirectly had murdered her husband by sending orders to one of his generals to put Uriah in the front line so that he would be killed. And uh, God brought chastening upon his life. But finally, at one point, Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, you are the man. You're the one who's done this sin. And David goes to God, and he pins the words of Psalm 51 as a reflection of what he prayed in that moment. And he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And then he goes on and he talks about deliver me from blood guiltiness and deliver me from these things. And basically he's saying, Lord, my heart is filthy. It's not pure. And I desperately need you to clean me, cleanse me. Do you remember uh, Jesus and he's going to the leper? And uh, the leper wants to be healed of his leprosy. And uh, what Jesus does, he reaches out. And he touches him. Now it's very significant because normally in Jewish life, if you touch somebody who was a leper, you were unclean. Matter of fact, the leper had to go uh, about the streets and they'd yell, unclean, unclean. And so everybody else would walk on the other side of the road because they didn't want to catch what they had, right? But Jesus reaches out to the leper and he says, be clean. And the man's leprosy is healed. What is the significance of that? Jesus can clean you up by his supernatural power. And it's not just true physically and a physical illness. It's true spiritually. There's a supernatural work that takes place. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. That's true of salvation in one sense. But it's also true of the Christian life as we live in Christ, in His strength, in His power, filled with His Spirit, filled with His Word. He begins the process of cleaning out what is in our hearts as we cooperate with the process. Um, So go to God in prayer to have a clean heart. Also, ask God to to fill you with His Spirit. And, And put some guards around your life. If there are things that lead you down an impure path, Put up a fence. Uh, you know, don't allow yourself to, in those moments of weakness, to do something that would would soil your Christian life. Um, I I've got, I got this handout that I had put in my in my prayer notebook, and it's about the different things the enemy tries to do and his his deceiving work and his accusing work and. But one of them is his defiling work. And what the devil wants to do in your life and in mine is to try to defile us. And to try to lead us down a wrong path that will pollute us spiritually. And and to live a pure life, to pursue God's purity means to set up those guards in my life. But also to sometimes say in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this room. Or leave this house. Or leave this car. Whatever it might be. And to, to address the enemy. Because guess what? He is the enemy of our souls. One scripture says, Beware of fleshly lusts which war against your souls. So these things that would bring impurity, we're to, we're to watch out for those. Be filled with the Spirit. Be in God's Word. Uh, be asking God to create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And uh, God delights God's purity One thing God says is You will seek me and find me When you seek me with all your heart Sometimes we don't Pursue purity the way that we should Because in our hearts We really don't want to be pure In our hearts We're torn Uh, James says a double-minded man Is unstable in all his ways Sometimes we just need to confess to God Lord, I'm double-minded On the one hand, I want to serve you, but on the other hand, I want to do the things of this world. And God, I'm torn. I'm double-minded. I need you to cleanse me of this and and give me a heart that's fully devoted to you. And what will happen as you genuinely pray that and seek seek God in that way, God will begin to change your heart so that you can have a single heart towards serving him. And he can change your heart and help you be more pure in your life. Be careful. I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't see in the movie theater, what you can and can't watch on television, what you can and can't listen to on the radio, okay? I don't want to be a legalist. But I'll tell you this. Be careful with that. Because what you continually expose yourself, what you read, all of these things, what you continually expose yourself, it will affect you in your spiritual life. Billy Graham says, I don't watch anything That takes the edge off of my relationship with God. I believe that's one of the reasons he's been used in such a mighty way. He has pursued purity in his life. So, to live a holy life, obey God's word, pursue God's purity, and finally love God's people. Now, the first two, obeying God and pursuing purity, are important for the last one. And if you don't get those first two, you won't get the last one either. Because guess what the fruit of the spirit is? It's love. And if you're quenching the spirit of God through impurity, if you're quenching the spirit of God through disobedience, you will not love God's people, or anybody else for that matter. The love that we're called to is, and he's talking here about a, a, a progression in your life. He says, he says, you, you, by obedience to the truth, you having purified yourselves for a sincere brotherly love. He says you've 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 gotten. You've gotten here. This is what I want you to do. But he says, I want you to go even farther than that. I want you to love each other fervently. How can you do that? How can you love the person that annoys you? How can you love the person who's so different than you? How can you love the person who doesn't like you? You ever had somebody not like you in church? I had one woman who used to scowl at me. I mean, she'd sit back there with her arms folded, and she'd just scowled the whole service. I learned. I'd look across the crowd, and when I got to her, I'd go like this. <laughs> I'd try not to look that direction because it would distract me. But it's hard to love people that don't like you. And sometimes you're limited in what you can do. But it's a supernatural thing that God has to work in your heart. And when those feelings of resentment or those feelings of of whatever is coming to the surface in your life begin to surface, that's your cue to say, okay, God, I can't love this person in my strength. Fill me with your Spirit, and Holy Spirit, love this person through me. And you can pray that simple prayer silently in your heart in the midst of a conversation with somebody who's getting on your nerves. And uh, guess what? We all get on somebody's nerves at one time or another, don't we? Don't you love it when people are gracious to you? When people don't treat you as you deserve to be treated? Uh, that's the way we need to treat others. And one of the remarkable things about the early church is that they had this amazing love. I mean, it was, it was radical. They loved each other so much that they'd go out and sell their property to help people who were poor in their church. Wouldn't that be amazing? I, I don't know. We might, might even get on the evening news if there's a bunch of people in church selling stuff off. You know, selling, these, selling your plasma screen so you could help somebody else. I mean, it was just radical. And nobody could explain it. Uh, you are never more like Jesus than when you love somebody who doesn't deserve to be loved. And guess what? That's really all of us. <laughs> None of us deserve it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. We're called to lay our lives down in love for each other. Um, Guess what? If you're pursuing obedience to God, if you're pursuing purity in your life, and you're desiring to love other people, Guess what? You're all going to be on the same wavelength. It's like tuning several pianos to the same tuning fork. You're all going to be in tune. We're all going to be in tune with God. And when we're in tune with God, we're in tune with each other. And so, unity is never this. Okay, God called you to pursue unity, so you need to do what I want. It's not unity. It's not biblical unity anyway. It may be some kind of unity, but it's not biblical unity. Biblical unity is when we all say, Lord, we want to surrender our hearts and our lives to your purpose. We want to be obedient to you. That is the chief desire of our heart. Lord, we want to live pure lives. We want to live holy lives. We want to please you. And God, by your grace, we want to love each other. When that's our hearts, guess what happens? Unity just takes place naturally because we're all. So what is love? What is Christian love about? Well, it's about, it's not about getting what I want, right? A lot of people view love in that way. If you act the way that I think you ought to act toward me, I love you. You do something I don't like, buddy, you're on your own. It, it, the, the, uh, hey, I might not get mad, but I'll get even, right? And so, uh, and, and, or, or it's as long as you meet my needs. I love you. But the moment you fail to meet my needs, I'm out of here. We have, that, we have that rampant across our culture today, don't we? It's The love that is about self is not biblical love. Biblical love is about others. Uh, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We were in Sunday school this morning, we were talking about Israel, and and God says in the book of Jeremiah that Israel, from the time they began to be a nation up into the present time when God was sending them to captivity, had rebelled against God the whole time. And yet, God says, I am going to make an eternal covenant with you. I am going to change your heart. I am going to give you a heart that fears me. God says, despite the fact that you don't deserve it and you've given me nothing but rebellion and nothing but pain, I'm reaching out to you to change your heart and to make you new. And I'm going to restore you to this land. And he says this, with all my heart and all my soul. That's the love of God. That's the love that we're called to. And none of us can do it without Him. But as you obey God, as you pursue purity in your life, and as you ask the Holy Spirit to love other people through you, He'll do that. And, and God will use you. Uh, I remember one time I talked to this man. He was, uh, I worked in the military with him. He was actually over me, he was a sergeant over me. And, uh, I asked him where he went to church, and he he exploded. We can't talk about that if we're going to be friends. He told me that. I said, okay. And so I dropped it, and uh, we began to pray for him. And God began to work on his heart. And he began to ask me questions. But you ever think about this? What would have happened if I'd have just written him off? I said, well, that's the way you want to act, buddy. I don't care whether you're saved or not. You see, love is what opens the door to somebody's heart. And as we pray for people who are not open to us, or we pray to people who who or pray for people who uh, do things against us that are not right, God can use us to be a vehicle of making a difference in that person's life. And uh, God began to work in his heart and, and God worked to change it. I don't know if he's been saved. It, but I do know this: he was under a whole lot of conviction, and we were having long discussions about Jesus before it was over. Uh, God can use your your heart of love if you're if you're willing to let Him use you. Um, it, it, love involves forgiving people for offenses. Some people will never know the joy of the Christian life; will never know a holy life because they're unwilling to forgive somebody that's wronged them. And you say. You know, well, you don't know what that person did to me. Well, um, the Scripture says that God has forgiven us for so much more than we could ever forgive somebody else. Um, regardless of what they've done, God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to forgive them. And it's a choice of the will that we make to cancel that debt that that person has given, uh, has committed against us uh, so that we can love them the way we should. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that you trust them. You may have to take some measures to protect yourself, but you forgive them. So, uh, living a holy life, obey God's word, pursue God's purity, and love God's people. It's a supernatural life that God calls us to. You say, well, this sounds very simple, Pastor. it is very simple. It's not complicated. It's hard to do, but it's not complicated. Why have a message like this? Well, because we're called to a supernatural mission. We're called to a supernatural work. And you can't do supernatural mi- uh, missions and you can't do supernatural work without a supernatural God having freedom to work in your heart. And the only way that happens is by living a holy life. Maybe simple, but it is so important. So let me encourage you. And you know, let me say this, too. Let me not give you the impression that I've always done the right thing, because I haven't. There have been times I've gotten mad at a lost person. There have been times I've blown it in my Christian life. I, more times than I could count. Okay, let's just be real. But why pursue purity? Well, because in those times where we're walking with God in the way he desires, his hand can be upon us. And... And uh, I, I thank God for his mercy. It's new every morning. I thank him for his grace. But I also thank, thank him for challenging us to purity because uh, I tell you what, I want all of the Lord that I can have. I want everything that he has for me. And I don't want anything held back. Uh, and so as we live a holy life and we grow in that, God is able to give more and more of his blessing and power to our lives. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this word. Uh, Father, help us to be obedient to your word and, and to your spirit through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to pursue purity with all our hearts. And Father, help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, when they do things that we don't like, When they do things that annoy us or irritate us?